From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy, because it feels so empty. It's interesting, in my neighborhood... Often referred to as forever bothering Italians. One thing's for certain, back in the day, you didn't, might not have agreed with a lot of the FBI agents, but you understood that the vast majority, vast majority, were patriots. And they were trying to fight for the principles of Americanism rather than undermine it. I don't think the vast majority of Americans feel that way anymore. In fact, my next guest not only spent 33 years as a FBI special agent, he is the author of the book, the fall of the FBI, how a once great agency became a threat to democracy. I am about midway through it. It is absolutely fantastic. He is Thomas J. Baker. How are you? I'm so glad to be with you again. Well, I like having you on. You're the only FBI agent I have ever been approached by and talked to that doesn't have another FBI agent waiting to throw me in the hooskow. So it's always a pleasure to have you come on. Okay. <laughs> But I wanted to talk to you after Smirnoff was arrested. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is I think that uh, propaganda is a dangerous thing. And I think when people hear that a former FBI informant by the name of Smirnoff had been arrested uh, for giving misinformation, I don't think people understand what it takes to be an FBI agent. I mean, after all, you guys aren't taking everybody who knocks on the door and says, I want to be an informant, are you? No. And uh, this particular individual apparently was for a long time a very valuable source of information, uh, being located, having contacts in and out of the Ukraine and along with the uh, crooked people in this country that are involved in the Ukraine. Uh, And the Ukraine is still, uh, I realize they're fighting a noble battle right now against the Russian invaders, but it is still and has been for decades an extremely corrupt country uh, that presents a lot of problems. And in fact, the, the issue after the fall of the Iron Curtain, after the fall of the Soviet Union, was that very connected, high up KGB agents, government bureaucrats, became oligarchs overnight. And they became that way not because they earned it or invested. They became that way because it was a strongman government. And that's really who we're dealing with, whether it's Putin or Ihor Kolomoisky, the man behind all the presidents in Ukraine. One thing's for certain, these are the same assets of the KGB. And it's interesting in this case because his information was about a former energy minister of Ukraine who became the real owner of Burisma, and his name is Mikola Zlochevsky. And the information he had wasn't information alone. It was recordings. He was bugged. And there is an allegation and a tape floating around somewhere that has Mikola Zlochevsky bragging about having to bribe the American then-Vice President through his son, who did work for Burisma. But somehow that's all taken out of context, and all we know is that Smirnoff got arrested. So what does this feel like to you, somebody with 33 years' experience in the FBI? Okay, well, first of all, a caveat right up front. I don't know the specific lies uh, or falsehoods 
that Smirnoff may or may not have set forth or provided. Uh, but the fact is, for a number of years, we we now know, thanks to the uh, pushing from Congress, that Smirnoff was, in fact, an informant, um, a confidential human source, use whatever word you want to, and had provided valuable information and was paid for that information over a period of years. Now, getting back to, to your original premise in some of this discussion, the Ukraine is an extraordinarily corrupt and difficult area to, to work in, and it is very frustrating. So having a, a good uh, confidential human source, or whatever you want to call it, an informant like this fellow, uh, is extremely valuable uh, because there is overlap from the Ukraine. It's not just counterintelligence, it's a tremendous overlap into criminal activities, criminal activities perhaps involving people in this country. Now, I had, a, I may have told you this before, but only about five years ago, and I won't mention the individual's name, the woman's name, but I was at a conference uh, in Europe, actually in Monaco, a law enforcement conference, and one of the people at it was a woman who was serving then as the legal attache in Kiev. And I engaged her in conversation because I had been a legal attache, and she told me she was very frustrated and actually angry about the situation. She said she's been assigned there. The Bureau had sent her to school for a full year to learn Ukrainian. Uh, she's assigned there in Kiev. And she says, I can't be a league at like you are. I can't take anybody out for lunch. I can't take anybody for a cup of coffee. Uh, the parameters that the Ukrainian government set up on her being there as the FBI official representative accredited through the embassy uh, was that there was only one person, one window, so to speak, she could go to in the Ukrainian intelligence service on a daily basis. Now, we now know from a lot of stuff that's been made public in connection with all the looking at the Hunter Biden nonsense is that Ukrainian intelligence service was heavily infiltrated by the Russians. That's acknowledged by everybody. So yes. she was told you could only go to this one place and she was forbidden by terms of being there in the Ukraine, to take anybody out and buy them a cup of coffee or buy them a cocktail in the evening. And this is how you grease the skids and get business done. And this is not peculiar to the FBI. I mean, even local and uh, local law enforcement with their uh, their own contacts often do that. You meet somebody, you buy them a cup of coffee. I mean, it's no big sin. It's just how you do business. She was very frustrated and angry. She seemed like a very bright young woman. I say young because she was younger than me. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, she was very frustrated by this terrible situation that she could not develop any contacts. So somebody having, whether in the FBI or elseways, having this one contact in the Ukraine was very valuable because they were not a cooperative uh, ally, a cooperative partner. Now, most places where the FBI has a legal attache in a foreign embassy, we're dealing with very cooperative people. Uh, whether it's the, the, the traditional allies like in Canada uh, or, or, or new places in Eastern Europe, they, they want to have a relationship with the FBI. They want to exchange information with the FBI. And this woman described how she would go with her request and just present the printed request at this window, and then she would get responses to previous requests or demands from the Ukrainians for information from U.S. services. 
And she said she could not develop any contacts whatsoever. And she was very angry and frustrated by that. I only tell you that firsthand story uh, to just show you how difficult and aggravating it is to work in the Ukraine. Tom, I, I, I love history. I mean, I love it. I don't I really. I, you and I have talked a few times now. You know, I don't watch men in tights chase balls. I don't care about any of the other stuff. This is how I spend my time. And it's fascinating, the ignorance of so many Americans to be unaware of exactly what is happening in Europe, specifically in the former Soviet Union. There is no good guy. And the reality is that Ukraine, since the fall of the Iron Curtain, the citizens have been victims of a corrupt government. They were embroiled in a civil war. Their investigative reporters were disappeared on a regular basis. The oligarch whose name I mention is not mentioned often, his name Ihor Kolomoisky, had his own army. They have a money laundering scheme. They were former Soviet intelligent guys who became oligarchs overnight with massive amounts of wealth. The people were cast into servitude. The country's entire GDP was $19 billion. The money for the bulk of it was held among the oligarchs, and the people were left to squalor, just like in Chicago. And this is the part where the difference is supposed to be. We are supposed to be the rule of law country. We are supposed to be the good guys whose government doesn't protect the oligarchs the way they do in Ukraine or Russia. Pick it. It doesn't matter to me. It's the same in in Havana. It's the same in Venezuela. These are gangster governments. The problem I have is our government, specifically your old agency, is mimicking the KGB. They sat on the laptop for two years. They sat on the information. There is no legitimate reason under the sun why Hunter Biden would be on this board other than corruption. If you look at Joe Biden's own history as the vice president held back a congressional policy of loan guarantees, which has enough ambiguity to make my head spin in the first place until they fired the prosecutor. This is crooked and corrupt. That would make Chicago Democrats blush, Tom. Why are we still playing games here? Well, Sean, you're absolutely right. And I don't think there's anybody with a straight face that could justify or give you a good explanation of why Hunter Biden has gotten these positions and these colossal amounts of money. Uh, It's just, it boggles the mind. It's clearly, obviously, influence peddling, the influence he could bring, supposedly, through his father, whether his father being the vice president or the president, uh, to get things done. Uh, It's, 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 and it's colossal. Now, uh, getting back to your original point about this, declaration that this one particular FBI informant has now been to some extent discredited. The other thing to bear in mind, there's a lot more information that's come out of the Ukraine uh, about Hunter Biden and his and the money involved and specifically money laundering. There's a tremendous number, and I forget the exact number, but like 50 or 60 suspicious activity reports, SARS reports, SARS have been filed by various banking and other financial institutions. So that means, and a lot of your listeners may not know this, but a suspicious activity report under under U.S. law, banks principally, but also other financial institutions that deal in, in uh, money transfers, if they believe something crosses their desk that looks suspicious, they're supposed to file this report. And, and these 50 or 60 instances where somebody thought enough that there was something crooked here the way this money was moving around so 
that's substantial. Uh, and the, uh, the House committees, for one, that are investigating uh, Hunter Biden and his uh, corrupt relationship with his father and his uncles have that information. But there's, there's so much concrete stuff like that uh, that we now know about that the fact that one informant uh, has been discredited uh, is not that significant. You know, what's fascinating is we had the FBI guys that uh, that flipped and said, look, what's going on here is crazy. And they were they testified before Congress and the FBI, rather than adopt that information, worked to protect itself in something that is reminiscent of the Soviet Union, of Havana, of Venezuela. And I know this is a particular stone in your shoe. You spent 33 years in the agency. But the, the, the sad reality is this. American citizens, by and large, those very American citizens that prior to uh, Joe Biden becoming vice president uh, uh, and let alone what he is now, they supported the FBI. Those very tens of millions of citizens are me. And they feel about this agency the way I feel today, where I don't have any zero faith in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. In fact, I'm aware how they sat on the evidence, how they protected the evidence. To me, uh, what are they going to do in the reality after the next election when the Democrats mysteriously win again? When the uh, American citizens decide it's too corrupt, it's time to defund the FBI. Are they aware that that's how tens of millions of Americans feel right now today? Well, they should be aware. And and my disappointment with the current director, uh, Ray, is that he keeps laying this off on individual failings. Uh, and the fact is, and, and he, he's done this, he's done it in congressional testimony, which people have the opportunity here. He's also done it when he spoke to groups of former agents at our various conferences. And he constantly says he goes back to the Russian collusion hoax. And he said, well, everybody involved there, Comey, Strzok, McCabe, you know, all the names. Yeah. They've all been showing the door. We have these other terrible things that have happened. The Governor Whitmer case, two agents were fired in connection with the mishandling of that. Uh, so many other things. And then uh, the, uh, we had just uh, oh, six or eight months ago, now John Durham's report, which laid out that there never was any predicate whatsoever for opening the investigation of uh, Trump's uh, Trump and the Trump organization uh, presidential campaign. And uh, he says, well, all those people are gone. Uh, and now we have uh, recent uh, information, which uh, I, I think you're aware of, uh, from a couple of independent investigative reporters, Matt Tahibi, uh, Michael yes. Schellenberger, those people. And, and they've gone back and, and they've pointed out how the FBI just was so easily led or misled uh, by John Brennan's CIA. And the, and the fact is they just weren't keeping to their old standards. Uh, all of that has to be changed. All of that has to be reformed. But unfortunately, the explanation we keep getting is, well, they're no longer with us. But the culture is the problem. And the culture that was twisted and turned around, uh, first by Bob Mueller and then by the terrible leadership of James Comey, is the problem, the underlying culture. And, and that's a big job to change that. But that's what really has to be changed. You know, Tom, uh, it's interesting. People don't realize that um, in Russia today, there is still between 20 and 40 percent of Russians that prefer the old Soviet iron fist government. They prefer it right now. 
in this country, uh, the agency you worked for, built its legacy on the FBI fighting communism and Marxism. That's why there was yes. so many. Uh, there was so much success in Chicago. But what the communists and the Marxists did to me was brilliant when they uh, got the the direction of Sololinsky. He knew that the greatest and most successful way to implement his philosophy was to infiltrate the bureaucracies. When you talk about um, Brennan of the CIA and Comey of the FBI, these are guys who in the 70s were advocates and supporters of Gus Hall, a communist. Now, for some reason, Tom, this information glazes over the faces of the Chicago Democrat because he doesn't realize his stupidity, his willful ignorance, is what is turning our bureaucracies into the KGB and the Iron Curtain and the Iron Fist of government that the Soviets miss. And that's when you realize that good people in these agencies are starting to fear the truth. They are now afraid to become uh, uh, people who talk of the corruption in the FBI, whistleblowers. Do you think that that's to a boiling point now where good guys that are in the FBI are starting to fear coming forward and revealing the fact that the FBI is working with the most corrupt aspects of politicians in our country. There's no doubt that a lot of people feel that way. And I'll tell you, I've had this personal experience, Sean, over the past six or eight months with, with my book. Not, not, no surprise. I've been doing book signings at Barnes and Noble and similar locations in several States, book signings and book talks. And I'll have people come up to me, people that I don't know, people that are 20 years younger than me. And they'll they'll identify themselves that they currently work in the FBI or that they just retired or resigned in the past year or that their husband is an FBI agent. And they say to me in so many words, it's worse than you think. It's yeah. awful. Everybody wants to get out. Uh, uh, and I, I just went to lunch with a relatively high ranking person who retired at the end of December. And he told me the same thing. He said, everybody wants to get out as soon as they can. It's just awful. Tom, I want you to know, I really think there should be something. My, 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 my company here is a fantastic company, and they have a news station that they're starting. And I really think there has to be a venue for ex-government employees who understand the corruption and want to speak out against it to come and put their face in front of the people. Because once your face is there and you tell your story, it's hard to argue with. And as I go through your book, which is absolutely fantastic. It's a mix of emotions because it reminds me of the era when you could be proud of your government, when you could be proud of the investigators that were trying to protect the people versus protect the government. You know, the problem I have, Tom, is, and I mean this lovingly, you're old, and I need young people to start to believe like you. Are you optimistic that they are out there and that this can be turned around? Or are we going to have to go through the 72 years of fascistic despotism the Soviets went through? I wish I could say with great conviction that I think it can change. I've been trying to change. There are other people that are advocating this. There are people, some of them in rather high positions in the DOJ and the FBI that I talk to. Uh, but there are so many others that just don't see this. And some of them, especially among this cadre of intelligence analysts, this new cadre that came to the fore uh, after Mueller there, they actually, they're very bold. Uh, a lot of these are what we would call woke individuals. They have a point of view, and they're going to use the bureaucracy to push their point of view. That, to most of us uh, who grew up where we knew we had to stay within the confines of the Constitution, 
is very shocking. So I hope we can change the culture, but I'm I'm not overly optimistic uh, as I once was because there are just so many woke people today who are bound and determined to push their own agenda. If we do turn it around, I mean this, I think the book is fantastic. The book is The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. It'll not just be because you wrote the book, but it, it will be because you set the example. And you spent 33 years as an FBI special agent who was an instructor. And I'm sure that there's somebody in that position right now who may not be listening but may hear this interview and find the courage to do the right thing, and that is to expose the corruption that is unfortunately the bureaucracy calling itself the FBI because people are losing faith in it. And that's what holds this whole thing together. And ironically, it's people like me. It's people who pay taxes, who followed the rules, who played inside the game and believed that the government was there to protect me versus become a, a KGB entity. So I appreciate you, Tom Baker. And you let everybody know, anybody who wants to come on my show and talk about this, who they have a venue, all right? Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Sean. Thank you for all the good you're doing. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate you.